Welcome back to A Rugby Conversation. My name's Hans Pearson. This is a podcast about grassroots rugby. By the fans, about the fans and for the fans. We're telling the stories that aren't being told. Your grassroots stories. Stories from the coalface, away from the spotlight. For this is the tribal heartbeat of our game. It's the light on the hill. And right now, it's the way out for Australian rugby. Don't forget you can follow A Rugby Conversation on social media or check out our website at rugbyconversation.com. My guests today are Megan and Anthony Elliott. Megan and Ant founded the Modified Rugby Program in 2014. MRP is a form of rugby for kids with learning and perceptual difficulties like autism and Asperger's. I know Megan and Ant well and I know their family story. Listen for the challenges they faced as a young family but then enjoy the story as they took action and have transformed not only young son Max's life, but the lives of many other young kids and their families through the power of a rugby community. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Megan and Anthony Elliott. Hey guys, how are you going? Well, thanks Hans, how are you? Thank you Hans, thanks for having us. My absolute pleasure. So guys, I was really fortunate to see the birth of the MRP down at Brothers Rugby Club back in 2014 and it's been a privilege to see the journey over recent years. But I feel like today we should start in the here and now, and you can talk with us about the Modified Rugby Program, what it is, how many kids are playing, etc. And then we'll circle back to the start and walk through how it all began, the why, the how, and then finish with your vision for the exciting future of MRP. How does that all sound? Great. Sounds great. So there's a few angles to this MRP, aren't there? You've got a bunch of awesome young kids running around in all sorts of crazy directions playing the game. Some older kids as on-field mentors. You've got some special leaders with famous wallabies that have, that have lent a hand from the very get-go. And then you've got the charitable and the funding side via your family's Ginger Cloud Foundation. So there's a bit in there. Uh, so why don't you tell the listeners how the MRP works from the basics uh, and we can build it up from there. So focusing on the now, just to give you a couple of pointers, guys, so who can play the game and, and what does it look like out on the field for the, for the listeners that, that haven't seen MRP? Thanks, Hans. I think the, um, the best way to describe the MRP is uh, it's the player mentors on the field are the magic of this program. And that really is um, what enables our kids, like kids like Max, to get out on the field because what's so difficult for kids with learning and perceptual disabilities is really simple things that everyone takes for granted, like the ability to follow instructions. It's really complex. Um, Rugby is more complex from a language perspective than you'd necessarily think about. So for kids with language disabilities, which falls within the learning and perceptual disabilities, just being able to understand what is being said is, is a huge, complex issue to try and deal with. Um, So we have to be able to modify that so the language is much more simple, much more repetitive, and we use a lot of visual cues to help the kids with that. So if you imagine, it's kind of like an under six, under seven, kind of a combination of an under six, under seven match, it's on a quarter field. Uh, But we have every, for every player mentor, every every older child, um, they have a child that they look after with a learning and perceptual disability, and they're between seven and 13. And currently the mentors in that first division are high school age. And they're girls and boys um, from 
all over Queensland. So we've got Townsville, we've got Toowoomba, we've got Brisbane. We're launching in the ACT next year. Mm. But the thing that makes uh, all of the kids the same is this incredible desire to contribute. And that's the amazing thing that we find so inspiring about the young people on the field. And when we sat down and thought about what this game needed to look like to include a child like Max, who's got a lot of complex needs, um, we needed to teach young people not only what it means to be inclusive, but to actually do it. So you need to modify things so you can give the kids strategies that allow them to feel really confident on the field. Right. So it's like having friendly siblings on the field giving everyone direction about what to do. So, you know, the under six, under seven, the kids all run around in groups and they all kind of clump together. Well, what the mentors do in that first division is they control the, the flow of play. It's quite choreographed. Um, we teach every player mentor to stand behind their player so they learn to pass behind. Because mm -hmm. for a lot of our kids, the big issue is an issue of proprioception, which is where your body is in space. So if you don't know where forward and behind is, how can you pass the ball behind? So it's those kinds of things. So we, we give them cues that help them understand what that is. And we one end is red cones and the other end is blue cones. So when they swap ends, we don't say run forward and run back. We say run to the red and then run to the blue. So there's all of these um, from, from a kind of a, um, a family or a therapy perspective, we call it scaffolding. So we analyse what the skill needs to be and then we scaffold and give them support until they can do that skill independently. So it's like a, a it's a very choreographed version of what rugby looks like um, with one-on-one -on -one coaching support through player mentors as well as specially trained coaches. Yeah, fantastic. I think, um, Hans, anybody with, with a child would, would know that their child will always listen to either the man next door or, or, the, or the older boy or girl from next door rather than their parents. And, um, I know that very well. Absolutely, most parents would. And, uh, and we definitely experienced that with Max uh, and our daughter Lara, by the way. Um, so that's where the, the mentor um, um, came from. We thought that... Uh, parents are they're, they're heavily invested in their child and what what they do therapy um, and at some stage they need to step back from that and have a break and enjoy their children um, and the children don't often listen to the parents so let's get an older boy or girl um, who they would look up to um, to shadow them on the field and get them to do what um, what needed to be done and um, we didn't think it, we didn't know it was going to work, but uh, but boy, within the first day or two, we we knew it was um, the magic, as we called it, mm. for uh, for the program. So um, the uh, what the uh, the players, the kids were doing, was quite amazing. Um, we we couldn't believe it. Um, it was fantastic. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think that the mental has really been. Uh, to use your words, the magic in the program. And, and I remember in 2014 when you guys were designing this, that, that element really just made the whole program stand out. Uh, can you tell listeners a bit more about that mentor program then? Uh, because the, the, the guys and girls that act as mentors, so these are kids typically in their, their mid-teens, early to mid-teens, they get some leadership coaching as well uh, from some famous names that listeners would, would know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the... 
the big thing that we identified was that we could never expect a teenager to understand how to support Max. I mean, we didn't. So how could we expect kids to just pick up and know how to do that? So we needed to design a system and a process that would allow them to have the learning to be able to do that on the field. Uh, and so a leadership program, which is really an inclusion program that we call a leadership program, it, the whole purpose of that is to give these kids the baseline language of inclusion. So the first topic that we talk about is about consistent behaviour uh, and kids don't really understand that what we're teaching them to do is, is something really important, for, particularly for kids on the spectrum. So you need to behave consistently every week, otherwise they, there's a sense of anxiety because a lot of our kids have a lot of difficulty predicting behaviour. So you need to behave the same way each time. And these are quite complex concepts for a teenager to understand. So if we wrap it up into a, a leadership program, which is a sort of a two and a half minute video that they watch and three questions, and it's delivered by um, some incredible inspirational and aspirational leaders, because what we wanted those mentors to be are the leaders of the future. And when we think about rugby, who we grew up watching and were inspired by were people like John Eels, Nathan Sharp, Tim Horan, you know, more, we've got Stephen Moore, and then there are young leaders coming through as well. So how do we kind of map and track what's so great about them and give some of those mentors those skills? And that's what the basis of the program was all about, because really what the Modified Rugby Program is all about, it's, it's about creating long-term social change. And we use that through an existing community, which is incredibly vibrant, a grassroots rugby community. Um, but stepping into that space for the first time, we would never have expected rugby to understand what our needs were. So part of what we created through Ginger Cloud Foundation was a framework that would allow us to deliver that kind of communication and that learning. So Ginger Cloud Foundation embodies all of those processes. So we've got an allied health process, we've got a leadership process and a modified laws framework and process. And that allows us to continue that conversation, not just from the MRP original, but we now have sevens and we now have a Colts division. So we apply that process consistently. And because we've come from you know, a corporate and a business background, that's just what you do. You think in those ways. Um, and that allowed us, I think, to really look at how we create sustainability for the program ongoing. Absolutely. So just to pull that apart a little bit, so the Modified Rugby Program is more complex and, and far-reaching than a lot of people might understand. So we've got, from its most basic, um, a bunch of kids running around on the field like like a lot of young kids playing rugby in all sorts of different directions and running to blue cones and red cones and scoring a try and getting pretty excited and their family on the sideline going bananas. So how good is that? Then you've got the mentors on the field the whole time during the game tracking them. So one-on-one -on -one mentor who's in their mid-teens. Yep. That mentor's getting a deep understanding of disability, um, uh, the reality of disability and inclusion, the importance of and normalising that disability for them. Absolutely, mm -hmm. yeah. Then the mentors are getting leadership coaching from some of the famous luminaries in our game. Mm. And I know that Nathan and Tim were there from the start. Yep, they were. And then all around that you've got the Ginger Cloud Foundation, uh, um, which, which makes the program, gives it a framework and makes it sustainable, yeah? 
Yeah, and, and I think the best description is um, the modified rugby program is a bit like an iceberg. You see the 10% of these kids having fun and parents screaming on the sideline and dads engaging with each other, mums engaging with each other, other clubs coming together. That's the 10%. It's the 90% that sits underneath. That um, is what has created the success through the program. And that are, that's, they're those three pillars that we talk about. So the allied health framework, the leadership framework, and then the modified laws um, framework. And that all comes together to deliver like that seamless outcome. You know, it's like the duck, the beautiful, all the beautiful swans swimming along. It's beautiful on the surface. And then everything underneath is what's powering it all. Mm. No, I understand it. And it's a bit like Australian rugby, the iceberg analogy. You've got the, the wallabies and the, and the super teams on top, about 10% of the game. Yep. And 90% under that is the grassroots, which is what we're, we're here talking about today. Yeah. Yep. Which powers rugby? Yeah, exactly. The grassroots and, and the bit underneath, the mm. unglamorous, away from the, away from the spotlight is, is what's driving this game. Mm. There's no doubt about it and you guys are a, an incredible example of, of that. So, um, so if I'm uh, a listener and I'm in, heavily involved in a, in a community club around Australia, um, I, I guess one of, the, one of the thoughts in my mind might be, well, well what would be the take-up in my local community? So can you give us some examples of, of modified rugby program today? Yes, it, it works in some of the bigger clubs in Brisbane, but what's been the take-up in some of the regional areas um, and some of the smaller communities in, in Queensland? Well, the take-up, especially in, in Toowoomba, has been fantastic. Um, we, um, we've got um, two clubs up there now, and, um, and we've got a few more who want to get on board um, right out to Dolby and um, and Gundawindi and so you know there's a real opportunity to start you know like a Darling Downs kind of competition up there. Oh, how good! Uh, which would just be fantastic. Um, you know we, we went up there this year for our first kind of away game um, up to Toowoomba, and um, you know it was uh, for us it was the first time we ever carpooled. We got two families in a car. We you know left in the dark to get up there early. And, um, and we you know, played a couple of games of rugby in Toowoomba. Now, for most people, that might be a bit of a drag. You know, God, I've got to get up early and drive all the way to Toowoomba. For us, it was exciting. We'd never done it before. And um, uh, the kids had a great time. The parents had a great time. All the guys up in Toowoomba were absolutely fantastic. We all hung around and had a barbecue and, you know, a few, uh, few coffees after. And, and um, it didn't take long for everybody to say, We've got to do this again. We're yeah. going to make it bigger. We've got to we've got to do this a couple of times a year. It was awesome. So um, yeah, it was a, that was a that was a fantastic day. But just highlighted the need and and the the um, uh, the desire for people to to do more of um, what a lot of people get take for granted every weekend. How good! It, you know, it's such a great story. And I think the interesting thing too, Hans, is that we always say disability doesn't discriminate. Um, because for in, currently in Australia, for all school-aged children, it's 14% of girls and boys and young adults are impacted by learning and perceptual disabilities. So we're not talking about four, we're talking about more than 10% of the population. And that that is only growing as children get older. Um, you know, our chuckle was we've got the Colts program now is for the teenagers and who we match with university age um, 
uh, player mentors because there was such a need for that. So we interface with, you know, and engage with uh, boys and girls from seven all the way through to 20 now, and then player mentors up to 26. So it's that whole gamut. But you, you'd imagine those group of kids just move through the next division. So, you know, the next question is, well, when are you going to have your open division? Like, can we just get through the ones that we're doing <laughs> first? But I think that's that's the indication of the need. And, you know, what everyone is just crying out for is just a place to belong. And the interesting thing with all of the research into mental health and all of the issues around mental health is that um, the... Um, our families are at a much higher risk of being impacted by that anyway. Um, split families is running at about 67%. I mean, I've heard up to 73% when you have a child that has a complex disability. So you, it often makes a complex situation even more complex. So we need to constantly look for ways to create togetherness and likeness, not difference. And by um, finding a place where people belong, it's amazing what happens with success after that. Um, you know, we've always, we've always spoken about that, um, and with that first conversation we had with John Eels, uh, we said, look, John, our vision is so that Max can come down at 18 and have a drink here at the bar that you're opening, the John Eels bar at, at Windsor Park, and have a place where he's safe, where he's understood, where he experienced success and where he belongs. And if we can create all of that, and we do that through the structure of existing rugby clubs, as a family, we will really feel like we've made a massive contribution. And that's really what we, for us, that's kind of our give back, is that it always needs to be um, value equally created. Um, so if we if we want something from the community, if we if we want them to include us, then it's um, it's only just that there should be something that we give back in return. And that's what that whole our whole passion about educating the player mentors is all about because they're they are exceptional young people, and we we do have this opportunity to um, nurture a generation of young people for whom disability is normalised for our sake, but also for theirs. Because if we get them early enough and we get them at 13 and 14, they we won't have to reframe them. Their paradigm will always be about inclusion. It won't be, how do we undo bullying? How do we... We've set them up with a mind frame that says, let's look for sameness. Let's not look for difference. Let's look at what makes everyone the same. And that's what we love so much about rugby. Because, you know, we've got a, a boy in our team who's totally nonverbal, who is the fastest, best kid on the field. And on that field, our kids are all the same. Girls, boys, player mentors, coaches. It's a place where we all belong. And there's such power in that. Uh, and rugby can do that. Grassroots rugby can really deliver that for all of us and that's our big passion for where all, all of this comes from. Oh, absolutely. There's so many families out there who are desperate to be involved in, in club activities. You know, just feeling like comfortable enough to, to go down to their local rugby club and watch a game on a Saturday or a Sunday. Um, but if they're not linked to that club in some way, they may not feel comfortable enough to go. And um, we've had many experiences with, uh, with MRP families who we try to encourage them down to, to home games. Um, it's, all around, it's all about the club. 
and they uh, they come down for the first time, and we just sit on the sit on the hill on a blanket, have a couple of beers or or not, and uh, the kids can run around or not, um, and you can sit there and, and watch the football or not, but they're there, they're involved, and they're they're talking, they're sharing, they're um, they're um, kind of unloading their worries, and they can they've got somebody they can talk to who who can. Um, understand some of the pressure that, that they might be under as a family and a, as a person, uh, whether it's a, a, you know, a mum to a mum or a dad to a dad. You know, um, guys generally aren't good at having a lot, of, a lot of talk, a lot of conversation, especially about the hard stuff. So the sideline for fathers is a, um, is a, is a really powerful place uh, to share. And, um, um, you know, as Megan said, that mental health aspect is... Um, it's a it's a big part of the program. Um. No, look, it, it's um, you, you know listening to you both talk through MRP's role within a club. I know down at um, at, at our local club brothers that MRP is just like any other part of the club, and I and I know when we've spoken in years past that a real uh, outcome I always hoped for with MRP at that club was that. Um, MRP parents would be on the barbie, they'd be, you know, doing volunteering like everyone else. They're just fully fa part of the fabric, fabric of that club. And that has definitely come to fruition. So uh, when, when Brothers talks about um, whatever whatever's happening this weekend at the club, MRP's listed like Colts, like, 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 like juniors, like girls, like seniors. And that, that's such an important outcome. And those stories you talk about of sort of Father to father on the sideline with a with a can of beer or not, but but sharing their issues. That mental health aspect of local community groups and rugby clubs are no different. is is endemic right across uh, society, and and I, you know, I I think that the more we're connected on social media, the more that people are actually searching for a deeper meaning in their local community. So it's kind of like we've all gone out globally for the last ten years, and now that the world is pretty flat. Uh, we're coming right back in and, and probably within a three decade radius of our, our home looking for that really deep meaning. Yeah. And can I, just one thing, I think an interesting thing about rugby that we've noticed as well and because um, I'm not sure if we've had the conversation with you yet, Hans, but we've um, formed a partnership with the Classic Wallabies. And part of that all came through conversations at Brothers and Ant talking to um, some of the classics who were down there. And the the thing that constantly came forward to us was this willingness to, um, op op an openness to new ideas, but a willingness to say, what can we contribute to make things better? And that's what's, that, that constant element that comes is, is there's never been any, um, even from the very beginning, you know, it took a while, I think, it was quite a new concept really at Brothers, you know, when we walked in one day and went, so what we want to do, we just want to modify rugby a bit so we can be part of that. And, um, uh, you know, at the time, I think so many people had said to us, it'll never happen, it won't happen. It's a big... I was just like, well, what will... If we don't do it, it won't happen. So at the end of the day, we need to make sure that it happens. But there's a spirit in rugby. 
and and we feel it every time we go to any club. So you know, we talked about the smaller clubs, whether it's Redlands or whether it's Townsville or whether it's the Toowoomba Bears or whether we go down to the Vikings, which is an NRC club. There is this indefinable spirit. Like I get goosies thinking about it, but there is this sense that we are all connected. And so, you know, when you can walk into a rugby club, whether you're in London or whether you're in Paris or South Africa, you know, we had we had an email out of South Africa the other week saying, yep, we want to do it in South Africa. We've had it out of Ireland. We've had a... And, and you know, there's a demand. But more than that, this spirit that is rugby, that is the power of rugby, um, is consistent. And this is the interesting thing with the classics is we said to them from a... From a vision perspective, it's amazing that 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 you, the people who've been Wallabies, who've played at the highest level, want to now step back and say, we want to open the rugby, our rugby world to you and come in. So it's this beautiful pathway about saying, we're the professional players, but we know that you need a place as well. So let's do all of that together. And it's just it's so synergistic in terms of that welcoming, that openness, that, um, yeah, that just sense of um, being part of the broader community. And there's a, yeah, there's a deep passion in rugby for that and a feeling that is is a continuum, irrespective of who we talk to. Uh, and there's, yeah, there's huge power in that. No question. So I just want to go back to the beginning now and, and your story of carpooling to Toowoomba uh, is, you know, um, something that a lot of listeners can can relate to. And there's some people that would drive a hell of a lot further than Brisbane to Toowoomba, which mm-hmm. is an hour and a bit, uh, just to get to training. Um, and uh, but that sort of let's bring that back to your your family story, if I can. And um, if you can just take take us back to perhaps tell us Max's story, your son, and why did you start MRP? And let's just really, if you don't mind, get get into the into the personal side of things and and the, and the struggles that that your family had um, to engage with local sporting and other clubs versus your own upbringing, where you might have been in and around rugby or other clubs, but you couldn't see that happening with your own family. Can you just talk us through the, the back backdrop to that? Yeah, well, obviously, Max has got some complex um, issues and. Um Really, from about he, you know, three to four was when it really started to um, to impact our family, and um, we really nearly shut down in a way. We just had to um, batten down the hatches, and um, and we were in survival mode, really, just coping with um, um, with his you know behaviour and the changes, and you know, not knowing what was ahead of us. Um, so yeah, we really had to batten down the hatches and, and survive. We, um, as, and I'm sure there's a lot of other um, families with more challenges than us. But um, we, uh, you know, we, we didn't get a lot of sleep for years. You know, we, we were sleep deprived for a very, very long, long time, um, and and that changed our our, our whole life really. We um, um, socially we we became quite isolated. Um, and um, um, yeah, we just had to survive, didn't we? And as as the clouds started to kind of part, as Max got a bit older, and um, we uh, we just thought there's got to be more. 
You know, we're always solutions focused. We're always looking for how can we, um, you know, what, what additional therapies, what um, additional activities, what else can we do for Max that's going to change um, his life and, and improve his life. Um, and it's, it's quite an intense um, life, really, when you're constantly um, implementing new strategies and thinking about what's next and what can we do better and... Um, uh, and then also thinking, well, what's his life going to be like when he's 20, 30, 40, 50? And thinking, well, we've got to do something even more than what we're doing to, to make his, his life better. And, uh, and, you know, kind of getting to that fork in the road and saying, well, we've got to do something more. So um, um, we were doing a lot, of, um, uh, a, lot, a lot of activities with Max and we were doing... Um, what we call Max and Jake rugby down at the local school with an, with another boy from the area, and uh, and that's where we started doing a little bit of rugby stuff, just passing the ball and running. and And the story we tell is that it was hard enough to get them out on the on the on the on the pitch on the field because of birds or dogs or something that was um, that was worrying the kids at the time. Um, but it took a while, you know, like a, you know a year or so, and they got some skills. So um, it was then that we thought, well, there can be more to this. And that's when um, uh, there was a, a few... There's a great family in the area, the Murphys, who've, who've helped us a lot with, with the kids. And, um, and they said, have a chat to brothers, mate. Uh, and that's how the brothers kind of thing started. And, you know, the story I tell as a father, we, we grew up with rugby. Um, so, we're, you know, Megan's family was rugby, so was mine. So um, to have that um, uh, not available to you um, when you've got, you know, from a father's perspective, you, you've got a son and you think, oh, yeah, well, he's got to play rugby. Um, when you sit back and realise that, well, that's never going to happen. You know, that's quite, creates quite a hole in yourself. And um, so, um, and I'd roll down Crosby Road and drive past Brothers with... You know, and on some weekends, thousands of people down there and go, you know, we'll never go there. And it's quite sad, really. Mm. Um, so um, um, I used to drive around the other way, so I didn't go past it. Um, but then we finally got to the stage where we're like, OK, well, let's, let's change this. Let's make it happen. There's probably uh, a lot of uh, other club supporters in Brisbane that would also find a way not to go to Brothers, <laughs> by the way. But um, No, we experienced that. <laughs> so, okay, so you've got those deep challenges which are real and, and you know, very difficult for you to, to even reflect on now, I imagine. Uh, but then what it takes special personal people to then think, oh, okay, we'll... Um, what we'll do is we'll go to the QRU and we'll go to the RU and we'll invent a new form of the game and, and that'll then get adopted globally as a formal f form of rugby and um, and we'll build a, uh, a program. So, um, Sounds which a is bit overwhelming when you talk <laughs> about it like that, Hans. It, it, it does. So, so, again, if you just talk us through, okay, you pick up the phone, we've got an idea um, and, and then, and I know the QRU were, were hugely supportive and the ARU. Uh, and, and, and how long did that go and, and, and how did you go about that? Uh, so we approached Brothers 
first. And so Dal and Murphy is the the Murphy boys are and girls. That what an amazing family they've Fantastic. all all taught our kids to swim and netball and rugby and um, but. Uh, a very inspiring family uh, from a values perspective as well. Really great family. So Dallin had said to us, um, go and chat with brothers, his club, obviously. And so we met with um, Ross, who was the uh, president before you were at Ross Brothers. McLennan, Ross yeah. McLennan. And um, had the conversation with Ross and said, look, here's the vision of what we want to do. And uh, so I think there was an initial pretty taken aback and uh, but uh, I think it, it took a go or two to get through the Brothers Committee. It was a really new thing. I mean, we'd looked globally for something like this in any sport that we could model. So our speech pathologist, um, David Martin, and I looked for a long time around just searching for something that we could do, but we couldn't find anything that would really modify enough to create the needs that, that we needed to do. So we just decided that we would... Um, go on that journey of of step-by-step modifying it based on the the needs of the kids. Uh, And so Ross was, once it got through the Brothers Committee, was so supportive, very quickly had set up a a working group with Queensland Rugby Union. And then there was a representative from Australian Rugby Union involved in there. uh, And we had another family and um, there was an OT involved in those early discussions as well. And basically we spent the year working through a set of modified laws. Uh, we were very lucky. They were um, pretty couple of very special people at Queensland Rugby Union at the time. Um, Joel Johnston, who was there, um, Joel and Lou Gardner, who were both there at the time, really understood what we wanted to do. And it, it often takes a couple of people to really help drive something. But I think also we were very lucky because Queensland Rugby Union had just signed the um, charter with the Sporting Wheelies. So they were looking for ways to um, include people with disabilities. So the rule had just been passed where if you had a diagnosed um, cognitive disability, you could play the year down. So there was already this with this level of awareness that um, we wanted to include. So the timing was really good. I think that also made a difference. Um, And we worked through that for a whole year until we got basically a set of modified laws under six, under seven, that modify across a specific range of areas. So um, we've talked a few about a few of them before. So proprioception, which is understanding where your body is in space, which is the best way to describe that is for many years, Max had to look at his hands to know where his hands were. So you can imagine how problematic that is if you're trying to catch a ball, because you need to be looking at the ball, not looking at your hands. So, and they are um, uh, physiological things from a cognitive perspective that develop later with a lot of our kids. But then vestibular issues, which is vestibular is your balance. So balance is so important in sport, just fluidity of movement. And then social skills, which is obviously just understanding being on a... Max had never been on a green bit of grass with 15 other kids, like, ever. What does that even look like? Let alone the trains coming by, the birds flying past, the whistles, all of that kind of complexity about what was going on. But also language. You know, we talked about kids with cognitive disabilities. Often Mm. language is quite complex. So um, not only communicating, but what we call receptive language, so understanding what's being said. So you've got this two-way communication, which is so important. Um, And then attention. 
just your ability to be able to focus long enough to understand what's going on. So when we looked at all of those needs, we went, okay, so what we need to start with is a smaller field to start with. We need to have the support of the mentor, but we need to have a shorter playing time. So it's only 10 to 12 minutes a half with a, um, a five minute break. That goes to attention, but also what we call low muscle tone. So kids often don't have, it's a bit of the chicken and the egg. Because you have these cognitive disabilities, they don't get to play as much sport. So they don't get to develop their muscle tone. But muscle tone is so important in running, catching a ball, passing a ball, all of those kinds of sure. things which relate to fatigue. So basically we looked at what needed to be done and then modified the laws based on that and came up with a, a set of laws going forward. And that was all with the support of rugby, which was fantastic. And then, then in 2017, we sat down with, you know, now Rugby Australia and, and said, look, we want to become a, just a division of rugby like anyone else. So from under six to prem grade to Colts, modified rugby program, under 12s, girls, however, whatever, we just want to be a division. And so we were thrilled in 2017. We went through quite a significant process with them. So um, there's a significant risk management process that sits in the back of this because that's why the allied health is so important because you've got kids who uh, may um, have a tendency, a tendency to run if there's anxiety. There's a whole range of different things. So it's quite a formal process that we needed to go through with Rugby Australia to get that. But, yeah, we were thrilled. We uh, formed a partnership agreement with them. So we're, yeah, now a division of rugby in Australia, just like anyone else. So whenever we can fund the growth and however we fund that growth, we have the, the ability for a club to come to us or us to go to a club and say, look, um, and I guess Charters Towers is a great example. We've got a group in Charters Towers who are desperately keen for us to go. They've got eight kids ready to go. And see, that makes perfect sense because Charters Towers plays Townsville. So we need to think about um, how we grow so that we have this ability for clubs to interact and play each other. And so that's why Dolby is such a great spot for us because we can do Dolby, Toowoomba, Brisbane. We've got Rocky who are keen, really keen as well. And so we can look at making sure we have North Queensland, Central Queensland, Western Queensland and South East Queensland. And then ACT is a, is a great move because um, apart from the fact that um, the Vikings is an amazing club, their coach previously was a coach at Easts and Tim knew about the program. He coached Andrew Reddy. So there was all of this um, understanding already. And that is, again, all about that connectivity. And that's what's really important in terms of how we grow this sustainably too. Well, let's give a shout out to some of the people that, that, that have helped you. And it's great that you mentioned Rugby Australia and the QRU because uh, here on Rugby Conversation, we, we're about positivity and, and, and interconnecting the different levels of the game. So, you know, it's, um, it, it's been great that they've been so supportive of, of this program. And, and, uh, but then if you go to uh, the Murphy boys, so Damon Murphy, for listeners, is now a, a super rugby level ref, which, which is fantastic. Uh, and... Um, uh, and obviously uh, Joel Johnson and Lou from the QIU have, have been great supporters from the very get-go. Yeah. So. And Dallin also as well. You know, what, what, a, great, uh, what a great guy Dallin, Dallin is. Yeah, Dallin Murphy yeah, as yeah. well. Oh, so, and he did boot camp with Max. I mean, this is the thing. So for years, Max would go down three mornings a week and do boot camp with Dallin. Mm. Um, and all of those things. And Dallin, we always used to chuckle because um, Max would always say, 
he was always like, where's Damon? Damon go, mate, I'm here, come on. Anyway, you know the Murphys, so the running joke between the Murphys. But, but again, that whole family is just such a, um, a cracker example of a rugby family. You know, there's a value set, you know, Doug, their dad, it's a Margaret, their mum. It just makes sense. But, um, and if we can identify people like that, uh, and longer term, we've got a program called the Ginger Cloud Alumni Program that we're developing now, which is a leadership program past school. It's about creating who we're calling social inclusion ambassadors. Who are those people who are going to take this message and grow it? across their community, whether it be business or sport or health, um, there's a great value in doing that. Um, but again, we need to give them the tools and the skill set to be able to do that. And I think that's been one of the things that um, when we've spoken to people, they sort of said to us, you never went to rugby with any expectations. It wasn't like, well, you should do this. Why aren't you doing this? Because our thing was, well, we didn't know. So why would we expect you to know? And I think that's been one of our big learnings. I think when you go to people and you say, look, we don't know, we're gonna give it a crack. But if we can give it a crack together, we're gonna to get a much better outcome than if we try to say, this is what you should do, this is what it is. Because at the end of the day, it's all about building community capacity to include us. So the best way to do that is to make people part of that whole journey um, because the more people we talk to, the more people we meet, the more ideas we get, we go, wow, what if we did things that way? Because right, right at the moment, we're in the midst of actually um, reviewing our, um, all of our laws because we've got three divisions which have grown just like that. Um, so we've got another fantastic rugby family. So we've got Jack Tuttle. Um, Jack's come on board as um, uh, our rugby kind of coordinator and he's doing some analysis about what all those rules look like because our coaching framework is quite complex. So we have coaching laws for each division. The coaches have a game plan every week. They have a player success chart. So we've adopted some of the kind of best practice from high performance coaching, looking at saying, you know, we've identified um, players across our team. We need them to get to a specific skill set. How do we give, how do we get them there? What are the strategies that we, knew we need to invest in them and what time do we need to give them to get them to where they are? Because for our kids, Every success is different and it looks different because all of our children are on their own developmental pathway. Um, we say, uh, and it's, it's quite true neurologically, that our kids have their own individual neurological fingerprint. So we can't put them all into one bucket and say, you should do this and you should do that and you should, you should do the, this way because what works for one child is not gonna work for another. So part of what we need to be really mindful about when we grow is that we have a, an underlying process which allows us to do that analysis across divisions, across uh, geographical areas, across ages. So we need to be able to make sure that we've got coaches and allied health professionals there in the background who can say, we need to modify this for this child in this way and let's work that together to ensure that they get the best outcome. So there's a lot of planning, there's, um, there's a lot of strategy that kind of sits in the background and, and we do, we expect a lot from our coaches 
um, yeah, one, one which is why things, we pay them One of the to. things we wanted to always ensure was that each family had um, the kind of experience that we had yeah. in the first year of the MRP. Um, and we also mm. don't want to grow too quickly where we can't ensure that the parents continue to have that experience. So um, we've got to grow in a very sustainable way, um, but we've got to ensure the quality of the program um, because we want as many families as possible to feel the way we felt and still do feel every time we go to our rugby club. Uh, I get it. And, you know, there's a lot of lessons here for, for listeners at clubs right across Australia of all sizes and, and, and locations in that really impressed by the way that the Ginger Cloud Foundation and, and MRP uh, are continually adapting and, and aiming for best practice and you're not mm. waiting for someone else to come up with the answer or waiting for a handout or, or pointing fingers. You're, you're actually just saying, well, w what's our contribution got to be and, 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 and it's not we, we, we don't have an automatic right to be here. Uh, we actually need to lift our game and so things like the coaching that you're talking about um, and, and making sure that the quality experience for families is there are things that every club and every aspect of every club needs, needs to be done uh, for the sustainability of, of your club, again, whether it's got five teams or, or 100 teams. Yeah. So, um, so we've gone through then 2014 launch year, and you've grown over the period of time, and, and I, I remember um, seeing you guys. Um, um, you're out at Suncorp, and uh, you know, and you spoke before about some of the noise distractions that, that present some issues for, for kids with perceptual learning difficulties. Um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was was what's been your one big wow moment when you've really stood back and thought, oh my God, what what have we created? And and would running onto Suncorp be one of those moments and how did that go? Oh, I, there's so many wow moments we could sit here for hours talking about them. Some very private little moments too but, but sure. the, the, the big one of the big wow moments is definitely Suncorp. Um, you know the, the, the QAU have been very supportive in, in giving us time, um, half time and, and pre-match um, at, at Suncorp and you know the first year um, to see we were very worried about all these kids <laughs> who had a lot of sensitivities and, and, and Max, as an example, is, is very sensitive to noise. And, um, and at that stage we, we had, um, you know, earmuffs for him all the time. And um, so we had that ready at, the, uh, at Suncorp and, you know, we go for a walk through the day before so that the kids understand where they're going and what it's going to look like and, and get down on the field and have a walk around and... Uh, which is great for anybody to, to get into Suncorp and get behind the scenes. but. Um, but for that, that, that first match at Suncorp um, where um, the kids finally ran out on the field, that was pretty special. There was, I think there was 32,000 people there or 33,000 wow. people. And to have these kids who, some of them never played sport before, some of them never been to a stadium before with that many people, to be actually running out on the field. And it all went extremely well. Um, the mentors played a huge role in that success. I bet. They made the kids feel really comfortable um, and they were just part of their team. Um, and, uh, and it all went off really well. And, um, you know, personally a little, a little great little uh, event for us that night was when um, Max was interviewed. 
So um, he was interviewed and um, answered some questions and, and we were like, holy moly, who's that? Um, and he, was, he had a great time, didn't On he? On the Today Show, yeah. yeah. Oh, was, is that right? It was, it was yeah. really wild. We were like, I remember saying to Ashlyn, who, um, Ashlyn Krukelis, yeah. again, has been, you know, really supportive when we were always out. I said, I should just be prepared, not really quite sure what's going to happen. I said, but we'll go away because it's always better when we're not here. And I went back afterwards and said, how do you... She said... It was fantastic. What do you mean? He answered all the questions. We went, oh. yeah, good, bad, but like, oh, you know. <laughs> but I think part of those early years too, we, we, um, we were very lucky. We, um, there was um, a young um, uh, development um, officer who was there with the Reds. Her name is Ch- China Howlett. And China um, was our foundational head coach. And she, because she was doing nursing at the time, uh, and she's now qualified, she's a nurse and she's doing a master's, um, the, there was a big element of that baseline understanding from a, a bit more of a medical perspective as well. She sort of um, really, uh, when we were talking at a higher level, she got those uh, points of understanding and that was really important for us as well. And I think as we've grown, the lesson for us is um, we... Because in the early days, you know, there were four teams and, and we, we'd drive... Like, three of us would split up and we'd drive around to each club and, and we'd see player mentors struggling with players and so literally Ant and I would go up and go, well, look, if you do this, this would work. If you do this, this would work. And that was great. But suddenly when we went from four to eight, it was like, well, hang on, we can't do that anymore. Um, and then when we... Then when we went to Toowoomba, there was like, well, that's not going to work either and so I think the big lesson that we've learnt this year and part of the new element that we're implementing with all our clubs is we need an allied health coordinator at each club because what happens on the field when the kids play so there's training but then when they play another team on a Saturday morning the um, the coach also referees so with that much activity they find it really difficult to see the detail about what's happening with individual kids. So if we have an allied health person who can look at it from, and by allied health I mean speech pathology, occupational therapy, physio, you know, our families, we have a whole group of people who do early intervention with our kids, special needs teachers, psychologists, psychiatrists, peds. Mm. It tends to be a really complex network. But those people get our kids and they're the ones who can, re- in real time, can go to a player mentor and say, um, you know, the reason why that's happening is because there's a dog that walks by every time. So if you preempt that child that the dog will be there and redirect them towards something else, then that'll work better. And the mentor goes, oh, so you literally see them relax because all they want to do is do the right thing. And that's what's so beautiful to see for these player mentors. They have such a desire to get it right. And in those first couple of weeks, they're and like... And have fun. And have mm-hmm. fun, yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't want to touch them. I don't want to hurt them. And then by week four, they're like roughing them up and, yeah. you know, throwing <laughs> them on the ground and throwing them up in the air. But it's that sense of... And, and see, that's when you normalise disability. And, and the way that happens is that weekly, regular interaction where it's just Max is, big, Max is my mate who I've played rugby with for five years. He's, he is, look, he's got, he's, he's got autism and he's got some language stuff, but he's my friend. Mm. So, you know, into the future when these young people become leaders in health or in government or, or wherever they in business, when we go to them, their paradigm will be, um, why not? We, we need some funding to do a new program. They'll say, of course, why not? It won't be why. They'll, they'll be thinking, well, why not? Of course, Max is my friend. I've known him forever. He's just my mate. Yeah, he's got a few extra challenges, but 
I've grown up with him and I know him. I think and they, it, can, they can they learn to see uh, the possibilities that, that kids with disabilities have. They, they, they have a perception of what it, what it is and then when they meet somebody and they see, oh, well, actually, you can do this stuff. Mm. Um, and that, that's where it's very rewarding for them. Um, but uh, just to know that, these, that a lot of these kids, they have a lot of capability. They just need the opportunity and the right support and the right people around them to really shine and show us all what they can do. Yeah, no, that, that, and that's what MRP does and yeah. it, it, it's so powerful. Uh, another wow moment uh, would have been, I know you guys don't like to, to, to personalise it or, or take too many plaudits, but you won some awards at MRP's won some awards on the way through. Just yep. share that with our, our listeners as well. Yep. Yeah, so um, the, I think it was lovely, um, uh, again, how cool is rugby, but, you know, um, the John Eels, uh, we were down at the John Eels Awards and it was the Nick, Nick Far Jones Spirit of Rugby Award, which was great. Um, but again, the special thing about being in that room was just being part of that room. There was no, you're not a wallaby or you're not a wallaroo or you're not, like, the value of what you're contributing is the great value of rugby and that was really exciting. Um, but I think also... And then we um, we were a finalist in um, in the World Rugby Character Awards. So, wow. um, off to the big show. So off to the big show in London and... Uh, and, and that Did you get was a tracksuit and a bag or...? Yeah, you know? not, not quite, but uh, <laughs> we, we got a seat at the table and also got to meet lots of other great people from around the, the world in rugby who are contributing in lots of different ways, adding lots of value to, to not just the game but their community, their country. So, um, yeah, there's a, um, yeah, a great global community out there in rugby. But while they were great wow moments, we still love watching the reaction of families on the sideline, watching their kids play um, and, and, and um, you know, experiencing success. That's the real wow moment, isn't it? Mm. And I think too earlier this year, um, one of the things that we really wanted to share with people is um, the the power of sport and specifically rugby to change change people's lives really long term. Um, and so we were thrilled earlier um, this year to win the 2018 Play by the Rules Award. And Play by the Rules is an amazing organisation that's um, set up by the Australian Institute of Sport but has 17 other state and federal bodies that sit behind it. And Play by the Rules is all about um, understanding that it's important for sport to create a safe, inclusive and fair environment. So to be identified in, at that was, was really great because what they really understood is that they, they, their whole message is about sport driving long-term change. Uh, and it was lovely because the award was uh, given to us by Megan Mitchell, who's the Human Rights Commissioner for Children. And what was fascinating was talking to her about um, the research that the Human Rights Commission is doing into children's attitudes to sport. And some of the uh, insights that she gave to us about, you know, between seven and 13 and 14 year old children talking about how they felt when people screamed at them from the sideline, how they felt when other parents criticised other parents on the, on the sideline and their, their huge movement away from sport because of that. Uh, so it's, it's really interesting to hear uh, 
that research and I think that really should inform a lot of the way that, that parents interact with their kids via sport because the research is very clear about what it will do to your child um, if you don't interact with them the way that they want to be interacted with in sport. You know, for so many of them, um, team sports about um, is about having a group of friends outside school when school may not be going crash hot, may, may not going be going particularly well, you need a place where you're safe. So it doesn't matter whether you're a child with a disability or not, everyone needs that place where, and they have, as Megan said, it's a human right for people to have a place where they feel safe. And sporting fields need to be that place. Takes a village to raise a child, right? Mm. Absolutely. So let's uh, look to the future, um, the wider take up, uh, what what's the vision? If, if you could paint a picture of, of what MRP looks like in five, ten years' time, how far do you guys want to take this? Uh, and uh, or do you think there's a limit to it? Or is that the purpose of what you're about? I, th I think that there is probably no real limit. Um, the, the, the demand is global. Um, there's no other program like that out there. Um, and and our, our vision really is to help as many kids and their families experience um, team sport and, and feel involved in a club. Um, that's, what, that's what we'd love to do, but we want to ensure that the program is delivered in a very, uh, you know, focused on, on the delivery and the outcomes and the success and, uh, yeah. So, so patient, long-term growth and, and getting as many kids in the game. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's getting the right people on our team to ensure that we can expand um, um, and scale it in the right way um, and, um, and get the right clubs on board as well who've got the right people who, who want to introduce MRP to the club. And I think too we've been really fortunate. Um, there have been some pretty special organisations who've shared this as well. I mean St George Foundation is one of those. So they came on board, we got a grant for them from for fifty thousand dollars to start with, mm. and then we've had um, two other um, subsequent grants from them along uh, along the way. But then um, people in our community um, who uh, they're all, they see the benefit, but they've encouraged their organisations to get involved as well. So uh, family um, foundations have got involved from a, a high net worth individual, so they've seen the benefit as well. But then we've got an amazing. Um, uh, sponsor um, Manitou who's here um, is a French company uh, but they they look at the benefit of the modified rugby pro program from a community engagement perspective we've got Vanderfield in uh, in Toowoomba great organization as well um, the Queensland state government have have come on board and helped us um, with with that and what we've got is sort of a whole range of individual grants or individual sponsorships but really what we're looking for now is that ongoing um, sponsorship you know the, and really partnerships that will help us grow uh, and really this year we've been really fortunate because we got through the partly through the national disability insurance scheme there's been a whole level of awareness but through the federal department of families and communities we received a grant to develop the ginger cloud alumni and that's been our first three-year grant um, uh, that we've had we've had sponsorships that are three years but that's been the first kind of federal grant that we've been able to do and, and look at growing and again 
they've identified that social inclusion element um, of the program. So that's something that we're really looking at doing too. But the big thing is finding people and organisations who share our values. That's the that's the key thing. You know, it's such a it's such a personal vision in many in many ways. Not personal just for us, but personal for every single family who touches this program, because we all know, you know, for us, we've got one lifetime to create a place where Max can not only do rugby, but where he can do life. And so we are really mindful of doing that for every other family because basically we can't afford to get this wrong, you know, and, and, and we're really, it, it does weigh on us sometimes, I think, because the, um, the risk of getting it wrong when we have so many people saying, come here, do this, do that, you know, do. It's like um, we just have to kind of sit and say we'll, we can do it when we know we've got the capacity to ensure that none of our existing families will ever lose this because this is the interesting thing that happened about disability programs. They're funded and then they're unfunded. So it's almost worse that people have had an experience of what it could be like and then you take it away from them. And, and that's one of the problems with, while it's great getting grants, one-off grants, mm. um, Usually they're for, they're for not a large amount of money, um, but they're one-off, and there's a whole lot of time involved and expense involved in acquitting those grants, which takes us away from doing what we should be doing, which is getting more kids on the field. Um, so while we'll take any grant like that we can get, um, yeah, working with people who, who want to work with us for the long term, um, and, and while money is important, it's, um, there's lots of other ways people can add value and help okay. as well. So what, through volunteering um, and, and obviously mentors, parents of mentors that make themselves available yep. uh, and those sorts of things. Yeah. Sounds, again, so much like uh, a, a standard club. It you is, know, the, yeah. it, it's, the, it's the grind of making your enterprise sustainable like uh -huh. any business and 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 that long slow steady growth sounds like the path you're on and 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 and, and being very protective of your values will create a sustainable enterprise over the long term and 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 again for for clubs right across australia of all shapes and sizes uh there is no shortcut it's it is a it is a grind it's looking after your sponsors looking after your members and making sure that they've got a good experience. The sideline behaviour is at the level that it needs to be. Uh, and hey presto, the, the club prospers and, and, and survives. So for the listeners, how can they reach you if, if I'm a listener who's interested in sponsoring or getting or, or, or a club uh, administrator who would, would like to, to form a modified rugby uh, program uh, at, at my club, what's the, what's the best way to contact you? Our best way would be to get on our website, which is mymrp.org. Hmm. Um, and there's a lot of information on there about the program and you can contact us through through that. So and also our socials. So we've got Facebook, we've got Ginger Cloud Foundation and Modified Rugby Program. Uh, we've got our Instagram because we find a lot of the player mentors really connect with everything on Instagram. Um, and, yeah, just jump online or give us a call. We're so... Um, we're just thrilled to talk to people. Uh, we're all 
we're really mindful we're all on this journey together, whether you're um, a parent of a young person who um, doesn't have a, a cognitive challenge but they're still facing the challenge of what it's like to just be at school and then what their vision of their life is going to be like, you know, that touch point of drugs. There's a whole range of different things. I think the big takeout for us is we've all got we've all got challenges. They're just different. So the more we can share and talk about those challenges, the better benefit there is for everyone involved. Absolutely agree. So just reflecting before we wrap up, uh, MRP, uh, how is it? How has it changed your family and changed you as individuals? Oh, I think it's um, it, it's. It's changed us in many ways. Um, it's given us exposure to our local community. You know, we've met a lot of people, um, made a lot of friends. Um, uh, obviously, the benefits for Max, the benefits for our daughter. Um, and, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, um, it's an interesting thing when you've felt um, uh, a bit not connected uh, uh, it's sometimes it's a bit like your anchor's not down. Uh, and the big thing I think that's changed for us is, is, is we have a place where we belong. And what's so great is into the future, we can see that Max will be able to go to Brothers and, you know, um, Matt at Ruggers, for instance, has offered to do work experience with Max. Um, Max will be able to work at the canteen. Um, Lara is now a player mentor. She plays in the Girls' Touch program. She's now coaching for her first little under 10 touch team. Um, and that's the place where we go. And that uh, rugby clubs will always be there. And that's the, the power of what it is across our whole, you know, our whole life. You know, you look at some of the people we, we meet at, at, at Brothers, like, you know, Paul McLean. You know, he's still got mates that he played under six with. Mm, absolutely. Um, and he still goes down to Brothers. Um, and we hope that we're going to be fortunate enough to, to be like that and, and same with Max in the years ahead. And, uh, and, and Paul McLean's on, on the board of the ARU, uh, mm. Rugby Australia, sorry, as, as it is mm. uh, today. And, uh, and again, that's a great connection from, from the top level of the game, at that board level, at, at our peak Australian body, uh, down to uh, sidelines. I know he's got a, a grandson in the Little Bros program, yeah. he's four, year, four years age or, or what have you. And, and all the clubs across Brisbane, Sydney and Australia, this, you know, these stories are repeated uh, constantly and, um, and uh, it, it, it's such an important part of the game. So I just want to finish with a few uh, rapid-fire questions, if, if I can, guys. Uh, and I suppose flowing straight on from that, um, uh, what does club rugby mean to you as a family? We've spoken a lot about the club role in the community. So, so you know, what, what does club rugby actually mean to you? What's your first response to that? I think it gives us... Um, it, yeah, we feel like we belong somewhere. It gives us a framework of, of, of things to do. Um, it, it, it gives us it gives Max uh, somewhere where he can belong and go and meet friends and, uh, and, and be influenced by lots of different people. Um, Max now knows a lot of people in our area... And um, and he's being influenced by all those people, which is which is he's very fortunate to have that. Uh, I feel uh, I think um, we feel safe 
And it doesn't matter whether we're at Brothers or whether we're at Redlands or if we're travelling around and we go to Townsville or we go to the Vikings, whether I'm having a good day or it's a hard day with Max or um, we... I'm never judged. I think that's a big thing. And safety and just being who you are, that's a big thing. Fantastic. And so what role do you think club rugby has in the repositioning or the rebuilding of, of Australian rugby? Oh, I, th I think it's, it's got a critical role, it, uh, but it's already playing that role on a daily basis. True enough. And on a scale of 1 to 10, where would you place the health of Australian rugby as a whole right now? Club rugby, I would, I would rate it very high. Yeah, I think um, we, it's, it's always been there. Somehow, somehow we've just lost focus. I, I'm, and I'm not sure it's, it's even us in club, club rugby. Sometimes it's just easier for people to see the negative in, 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 instead of to see the positive. Uh, and and that's and ironically is um, such a metaphor for our kids because the big thing we always say is let's focus on what's awesome first before we get critical with everyone. Well, that's a fantastic point to finish on because uh, that that's a key message of a rugby conversation is to focus on what's positive and start sharing the stories that aren't being told right across Australian rugby at the grassroots level. And by sharing those positive stories and really getting to the, the heartbeat of the game like we have today uh, with, with you, Megan and Ant, we can really hopefully encourage and inspire people to talk more positively about rugby, get engaged, and through that really build the momentum of the game. So, uh, okay, so people can get a hold of you on uh, mymrp.org, so that's uh, mymrp.org, uh, or get on social media yep. uh, on either Ginger Cloud Foundation or Modified Rugby. And um, so, look, I just want to say thanks so much for being our inaugural guests uh, on a Rugby Conversation podcast. It gives me, you know, I'm really humbled, you know, to be able to, to share your story. I've seen it from the start. Uh, and I know for my family, it's it's been inspirational for everyone in our local community. So for you now to be taking that across the country in a in a, in a careful, sustainable way um, is is genuinely exciting. So so thanks very much. Good luck with the rest of the journey, and um, uh, and yeah, again appreciate your time. Thanks, thanks for having us. Thanks. thanks. I hope you enjoyed this rugby conversation. I know I did. We're all about grassroots rugby here. So. If you know of a grassroots story that you think we should hear about, then DM us via social media or post your club or school videos or photos with the hashtag TellYourGrassrootsStory. We'd love you to get involved and help us promote everything that's good about Australian rugby. Stay tuned for more episodes of A Rugby Conversation.